we don't just have a presence in Minnesota. We, we have a presence in Europe as well. But Minnesota in the Minneapolis area in particular was a really ideal fit for us. It's a med tech hub, as, as your audience knows so well. The Medical Alley podcast is brought to you by MentorMate. MentorMate empowers healthcare clients to deliver on their mission and transform the human experience through technology. For over 20 years, clients have trusted MentorMate to guide their vision, design innovative products, and build secure solutions while understanding the specific nuances of their industry. MentorMate's global team in the U.S., Eastern Europe, and Latin America helps clients in all sectors of healthcare transform their organizations. From Fortune 500 pharmaceutical companies and commercial payers to hospital systems, medical device manufacturers, and beyond. Learn more at mentormate.com slash healthcare. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to everyone out there in Medical Alley. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Medical Alley podcast And this one, part of our irregular series on pain and pain management. So pleased to be joined today by Jim Schuerman, who is the CEO of Saluda Medical. Jim, I really appreciate you being here. Oh, me too. It's great to be here. And thanks for the invitation. Mm -hmm. Maybe the the place to start, could you just give us a bit of an intro on what is Saluda Medical and what is it about what you guys are doing that is so different from other neuromodulation systems out there? Well, we're, it, it's great to talk to you about Saluda Medical, and we're very excited to bring forward a really revolutionary new neuromodulation technology, a platform that hasn't been seen before, and, and uh, so it is truly a first of its kind. might be helpful, before I go uh, too deep into the technology, to provide a little background of what neuromodulation is today. Indeed. Neuromodulation is is really a a, a stimulation uh, electroceutical, mm-hmm. providing stimulation to the body targeted at a particular nerve or a part of the body, muscle, etc., even even the brain. And the limitations of neuromodulation today is that they are primarily pre-programmed waveforms, frequently right. adjusted based based on patient feedback, and what Saluda does differently is Saluda actually senses the body's response to stimulation. And we're focused in on capturing neural signals. These neural signals are a thousand times smaller than a cardiac signal. Oh, wow. It, and we stimulate about 40 to 100 times per second. So it is truly a prescriptive electric suitable dosing that uses neural sensing to capture in a closed loop and repeat, uh, you know, a tr- you know, uh, four million times a day. Right. So it's an exciting new therapy and new technological breakthrough, and it's providing, we think, profound new clinical results for patients in chronic pain. And uh, we're really excited to bring it to market. Yeah. Well, and. Maybe on that end, we talked a little bit about the the clinical evidence. You guys have done very extensive clinical trials for this before bringing it to market and now on market. What is what's come out from that? 
Well, Saluda has a long history of being a data-driven company, and we've got multiple clinical studies that we've done, including you know, feasibility studies starting in the U.S., then extended into a CE mark study that we ran in Australia in our home country, mm-hmm. and then pivoted to our PMA pivotal study in, in the U.S. So I'll talk primarily about the PMA study, yeah. uh, which was the first of its kind, actually. It's the first multi-center, double-blinded, randomized controlled U.S. pivotal study in the field of spinal cord stimulation. Oh, wow. What we, what we did is we compared the device in closed-loop mode to the same device in open-loop mode, split the patients, randomized 134 of them. And the patient, again, because it's double-blind, had no idea right. what system they had, nor did the physician. So it was a perfect study to really determine the clinical benefit of this neural sensing closed loop technology. I'll just give you some of the highlights. First of all, we did earn or the study showed superiority of the closed loop arm in our primary endpoint, which was greater than 50% reduction in pain relief and no increase in medications. Interestingly, we also had a great clinical response in quality of life. 86% of patients wow. experienced a clinically significant improvement. And on improvement in disability, 82% of subjects had a, a, a big change. And then on reduction of opioids, almost 70% of patients voluntarily reduced or eliminated their pain medication. So this profound change... I'm demonstrating uh, all came at 24 months. It's one of the longest studies published. And we just recently published updated data to that uh, at the NANS meeting in January. And this will become a a published paper where we showed 36-month results from this study. And the pain response was still uh, steady. We we saw continued quality life improvement. And in fact, my final point is we allowed a voluntary crossover at 24 months, and we found that nine out of 10 patients who voluntarily crossed over crossed back or stayed in closed loop. Oh, so, and right. we saw the improvement in that, in that cohort. Those patients that flipped from open loop to closed loop matched the long-term closed loop outcomes. It's a little hard to follow, but basically the crossover showed that the closed loop really made a difference. Patients self-selected to stay in closed loop once they had a chance to try it. So we think that was really definitive, really exciting and and, uh, really validating. Yeah. And and kudos for doing the work to generate that level of clinical evidence. I mean, it's the kind of thing we we need to drive adoption of novel technologies, uh, especially in a, a very tough payer environment. So kudos for you know doing that level of work. I'm, I'm curious, you mentioned in there that the company's an Aussie company. Where did this come from? Like how, how did this get started if you, you back up? Well, great innovation comes from great minds and we certainly have that in spades. Our, our early geniuses, I call them, came out of uh, a, a 
organization in Australia called the uh, Australia Information and Communications Technology Research Center, or NICTA. And this group of founders were the ones that were the first ones in the world to measure this neural signal. We oh. called the neural signal an ECAT. And I'll say the first one, I'm going to qualify that. They measured the first one in a, an animal away from being right on top of the nerve. So we know Cochlear, the Cochlear mm -hmm. company, has been measuring ECAP signals for a long time, but the measurement is very close to the nerve. No one thought that a company could measure neural response in a body cavity or far away from the nerve. Oh, it requires right. too much amplification, too much filtration, too much software, mathematics, etc. So it just didn't seem possible. To be able to measure that ECAP 10 years ago in our first animal was a big step forward. We then measured our first ECAP in a patient in 2011, and then the first implantable ECAP closed loop. So taking now the math, the science, the software to convert that neural signaling into the signal and the stimulation mm -hmm. was 2015. So rapid innovation yeah. from the early days. Then the first double RCT blinded study was 2017. So just amazing year after year, innovation work behind the scenes and then moving forward uh, in, into clinical trials, leading to FDA approval in March of 2022. So our heart and soul of our mm -hmm. innovation is Australia-based. And we're expanding globally, including here in Minneapolis, and and uh, really excited to to increase that presence. Yeah, indeed. And I gotta say that is quite the pace, like a you know about a ten year run to get to market um, for a, a complex, new, truly novel implantable device. Wow. It is one of the fastest I've seen, and one of the inspirations for joining the company was the dedication to the technology and the patient because the mm. unmet needs in chronic pain, as you know, so well doing this series is, uh, is massive. You know, the potential of addressing these patients with something new and better is significant. And that really drives our culture. And yeah. We're a data driven, science driven company, but at the heart of it is patient and the clinical outcomes are ultimately our, our truest measure of success. Right on. And th that's the part that keeps me so motivated in all of this work is hearing these stories and getting to learn from people like you and companies like this, where that is the reason for being. There are so many things a person could do with their life. This is one of those things that's so meaningful. And I, I'm curious, you know, you're now in market. That's a can be a very different time for a company. What's it been like since getting the approval and where, where do you see it going, you know, the next year, two years for the company? Yeah, oh, it's, a, it's a great question. So this is truly a highly differentiated technology. We're experiencing that now commercially. Um, it, it is addressing shortcomings of traditional neuromodulation devices. That lack of clarity and vision inside the body. Clinicians don't know today with other systems whether they're targeting the right nerve. Mm -hmm. Is the stimulation actually reaching the nerve? And is when the patient goes home and isn't being reprogrammed, is the system uh, you know, tracking a, a stimulation dose that's giving them ultimate relief? 
we're also learning while we're out there. Mm-hmm. This market is really underpenetrated. The, the, you know, it's a lot pain management in spinal cord stimulation specifically is a two and a half billion dollar global market. But really, it's, we're not getting to all the patients. And we see a lot of clinicians who are hesitant to refer patients for a device implant because there are so many medical options, you know, opioids being one. Mm-hmm. But we're learning in the commercial world now that there is a lot of pent-up demand for, for something new. And it's addressing those significant unmet clinical needs, you know, the burden of reprogramming, the right. burden of revisiting the clinic and coming back again. Spinal cord stimulation works when you're in the clinic. But when the patient goes home, so many factors change. Yep. The leads move. The, you know, their, their lifestyle changes. They, they might change their medication. And so the therapy isn't working like it did when they saw the physician. So we see that need. We see that benefit that we're providing by closing the loop and auto-adjusting for the patient. And we also see the potential economic burden of mm-hmm. managing so many of those patients, but also the economic burden of the patient having to come back to the clinic frequently, whether it's taking time off work or or taking the bus, or you know, we all know patients who have to drive hours to their uh, to their uh, clinician to to get therapy. Right. We really see us changing that. And then the the last thing we've seen is the endorsement of the payers. Mm. Uh, CMS granted us a breakthrough status code. It's called a transitional pass-through code called TPT. Mm-hmm. And this designation was given to us uh, and launched earlier this year because CMS saw us as a substantial clinical improvement over right. existing technologies. And that data, that that designation, plus the clinical data that we've published that I shared with you earlier, mm-hmm. has led to really productive conversations with private payers as well. And those have been really fruitful. We have right. overturned early investigational designations that payers mm-hmm. you know, slap on new technologies but with this data set. And so the nature of the data, the outcomes difference, the advantage over traditional spinal cord stimulation is becoming obvious, not only to all the clinicians, but to the payers and the patients too. Mm-hmm. So we're excited about it, and we've got a really experienced sales and marketing team mm-hmm. that are helping us bring the, this product to market. And we're now, you know, backed by you know, the key opinion leaders in our clinical mm-hmm. sites, and and they're now carrying a lot of the load, educating their peers on their technology as well. We really owe it to them for spreading the word about us. So it's been enlightening and really exciting in the early commercial days. Yeah. No, that is, that's fantastic to hear. And I, I have to say, again, kudos on the payer side for doing that kind of work. We hear from so many medical technology companies, the challenges that come in driving, you know, the coding coverage payment cycle. Mm-hmm. And I think what you shared reinforces something we've heard from other companies about the, the value and the benefit of working on large clinical problems and bringing disruptive innovations with good clinical evidence. Not that it's easy, right? It's not easy to get there. It's not easy to get the coverage and payment, but that when you go down those pathways, the payer systems do tend to respond a bit more positively because you are bringing real value into the healthcare system. 
And there is also, we all know about the opioid crisis. Right. And that's on the radar of not only payers, but also our healthcare system mm-hmm. and our government. You know, there are a number of initiatives coming out of Capitol Hill that are really putting a focus on other therapies aside right. from opioids. And I think that's wind in our sails as well as we look at medical devices developed to address pain. It is going to be great for patients in the long run. And I believe the payers will respect that and support that because they don't want to slow down innovation either. And they want to focus on improvement in overall costs. Mm -hmm. So sometimes therapies, if they're high growth, they get more scrutiny. Mm -hmm. Of course, we've we've seen that in pacemaking. We've, We've seen that in heart valves, et cetera. Same thing's happening here. But if you've got good data and you've got good logic and it's good for the patient and the economics are there, payers do pay. Yeah. So we're excited about that. And so far, uh, you know, we obviously all have more work to do, but I think the trend is going really you know, in our favor. Indeed. Well, I might shift a little bit to talk more on the, the technology side. And, you know, you'd mentioned in that, that initial research uh, in Australia and being able to sense the ECAPs at, at a distance, as you described it, it, that sounds like, and you did use the word platform at the start, like there could be other use cases, other applications. I'm not going to ask you to talk about like what product might be next, but how do you think about what else this could be used for as a, as a platform or as a system to advance other areas of care? We're really focused, obviously, now on pain because mm-hmm. that's our biggest market opportunity. But I will reference an interesting article from the publication, actually, from the Journal of Neurosurgery. This was back in uh, May of 2020, and it talked about the survival of neuromodulation therapies. This is you know, not only survival, like a Kaplan-Meier curve. Mm. Did the patient stay on therapy? Mm-hmm. And then it compared that to, did the patient stay with their original device or did they have to trade off to another device? And it looked at three areas in neuromodulation, deep brain stimulation, mm-hmm. vagal nerve stimulation, and spinal cord stimulation. And what's interesting is all three therapies had good long-term therapy survival mm-hmm. out to 10 years. But the challenge is patients have, have difficulty staying with their existing device. Uh-huh. Something happens. Is it the battery? Maybe. But a lot of times these seem to be trading off waveforms from one device to another one. And this was especially profound in spinal cord stimulation. That's why we started there. Right. There's opportunities in other areas of neuromodulation to improve survivability of the therapy. And we believe that's because outcomes weren't optimized. They were looking mm-hmm. for something better. And maybe, you know, a Gen 2 came out or, or um, you know, another version of the system came out. And patients had to go through an invasive therapy change to get the new technology. We are there, you know, we're there for our patients. And we're there for patients who have had other technologies to, you know, to, to adopt our therapy, but we want to make sure our therapy can be the patient's really definitive last therapy they need for ah, their symptoms. Love that. And that, that means, you know, upgrading software remotely, not needing an, ex, an explant to get the next gen, using our 
ability to be able to reach to the patient through neural signaling, learn from that, evolve with updates, provide the updates direct back to the patient for their specific neural needs and continue to address them and improve their outcomes over time. Mm-hmm. So we see early versions of them in a new generation device we're submitting to the FDA right now. And we look forward to launching that uh, uh, sometime next year. Oh, fantastic. We think it is applicable to other areas outside of pain. And we're doing feasibility studies in several areas. It's early um, as far as cr- chronic implants. Mm-hmm. And um, we're just we're excited about this platform being able to help. Right. And we could apply and assist companies who already have neurostimulation devices by being a partner uh. with them. So there's a lot of unique pathways right. so that can go being the first one to develop this neural sensing and, and close loop capability. Oh, it's great to hear. Well, and then I feel like I- any interview today on advanced technology, I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about artificial intelligence. And it, it sounds like what you all are doing pretty darn complex, really good math. Do you think about artificial intelligence, whether in the current product or in future products, or do you think that's a little more hype than it is real? There's certainly a lot of hype, but it's warranted, right? There's (laughs) stuff coming and companies are spending a lot of time and money and we will all benefit from the chip manufacturers, the software manufacturers who are really pressing us. Artificial intelligence is really intelligence. It's perceiving, synthesizing, inferring information demonstrated by a machine, right? Mm -hmm. So Saluda is using direct measurements of thousands of patients, neural signatures through the ECAPs, through the, the neural sensing. And we build a knowledge database because of it. We have over a trillion ECAPs. We have that knowledge now. So we have that ability. We have that machine capability. And we're using some of that for our proprietary Saluda expert system. We commercialized already, you know, our first uh, commercial launch, Mm -hmm. but we've got new generations of devices coming. And as we complete or continue our U.S. commercialization, we'll be adding to that big knowledge database and working on autonomous programming and ultimately based on machine learning and leveraging AI. So I think AI is the future. I think every company is going to have some form of it. And I think we're uniquely positioned with all this data right. to be able to really maximize it and move things forward in a way that I can't even comprehend today. Right. It's true. It's, I think it's incredible. It's been very exciting. Oh, that's fantastic. One well, last question I'll ask then as we come in to wrap it up. So an Australian company that now has operations across the U.S., including a growing base here in Minnesota, I'm always curious because we do a lot of international work and Australia has been our, our top market. You know, why is the company here? What's the point of being in Minnesota as far as developing the U.S.? Well, it just seemed like a natural fit. Yes, we have to build up our U.S. capabilities. We also have needs to develop our, our med device experience, our knowledge and relationship with the FDA instance, Mm. our quality systems, our partnership with contract manufacturers, a lot of them are in the Minnesota area. And then just the the buildup of our capabilities of our team 
you know, it's not just commercial. It's also, uh, you know, the operations capabilities, the sustaining engineering, mm-hmm. the development capabilities of our, of our distribution centers. And even, even returns, you know, being able to bring product back, oh, sure. you know, investigate quickly, get to root cause analysis on any upgrades we'd like to do. The more we can centralize around our high volume areas, the better. And we have a, you know, we're, we don't just have a presence in Minnesota. We, we have a presence in Europe as well. Mm-hmm. But Minnesota in the Minneapolis area in particular was a really ideal fit for us. It's a med tech hub. As, as your audience knows so well. And as we continue to grow, we look forward to being a big and bigger employer in the Minneapolis area as well. And look forward to the continued partnership with the city and the state, which so far has just been fantastic. Oh, it's great to hear. Well, and we really appreciate it. You know, seeing breakthrough innovations get developed, that's what we get up for in the morning. And to be able to have those grow right here and give us more ties around the world, even better. So, Jim, I want to say thank you for taking some time out of your day and sharing a bit of perspective on what Saluda Medical is up to. Great. Well, it's been my pleasure. I enjoy talking with you today. I look forward to catching up again soon. Indeed. And folks, that's another episode of the Medical Alley podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, make sure to check out medicalalleypodcast.org, or you can find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And would you do me one little favor? Share this podcast with just one other person. Help spread the word. If you did that, this and so many other incredible stories would reach further and make a greater impact. I'd really appreciate it. Until next time, have a great day.